Okay, once again, for the recording, good evening. Happy Monday night. Very excited to be here for uh, another installment of the Monday Night Class series. This is following along the heels of last year's incredible series of the 19 blessings. We had a kickoff of this year's series with uh, Rabbi Feldman last week, beginning the first of the 13 principles of faith. These are the, some of the most fundamental basic principles of Judaism, and it's high time that we learned about them. And I include myself in, in the we, um, because obviously I have much to learn. And specifically this class, whereas last year, um, whenever we display the 19 blessings classes, I always vetted them ahead of time. This year, despite my greatest of intentions, I didn't have a chance to watch this uh, class yet. So I'm watching in real time with you, learning along with you at the same time. I have, I have my pad here. I'm looking for, I have a pencil and I'm gonna be taking notes um, because everything that Rabbi Lapiansky says, Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky says is so valuable. And he's talking about the Rambam and everything the Rambam says is so valuable. So there's a double value being presented tonight. I wanna to thank our sponsor for tonight, um, Alan and Roberta Shear, in honor of their children and grandchildren. Many of you may know that uh, Alan and Roberta's son, Yitzi, who I think around here was once known as Mitchell, is a Rebbe in the Yeshiva of Greater Washington, where Rav Aaron Lapiansky is the Rosh Yeshiva. Rav Aaron Lapiansky is much more than that. He's also my Rebbe um, and, uh, and has left an, indel an indelible mark on my life and the lives of many, many, many who come uh, to uh, come into his, uh, into his, into his uh, uh, realm. And uh, you know, every, every couple of months, he gets more and more well-known through his incredible writings and publications, uh, teaching Torah, teaching um, a Torah approach to life. Um, many of you have probably seen many of his recently published articles, and he is amazing, Baruch Hashem. So we have this host, we have the merit together, all of us, including myself, to watch this video in which Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky is going to be talking to us about the second of the principles of faith. Um, he doesn't miss words, he dives right in. I know that because I watched the first 20 seconds. <laughs> and... Uh, and it's, it's going to be interesting to me. I don't know what he's going to say, but I know the first and second principle are very intertwined. The first principle, which is existence of God, belief in the existence of God. We just had the Aseris Adibros, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. The very first of the Aseris Adibros is, know that I am Hashem, your God. And the Rambam seems to divide this in multiple ways. In this case, the first principle is that you have to believe that he exists, as Rabbi Feldman taught us last week. And now we're talking about God's unity, that he is one, he's indivisible which is a word that has been used to describe a country, but it's much more appropriate describing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, describing God himself. He is indivisible. There's no other unity like the unity of Hashem himself. Everything else, every other bit of creation can be divided or broken into smaller parts. And Hashem is one. And Hashem is the only. So it's so connected to, with the notion of his existence that I'm curious to see how Rabbi Lapiansky is going to explain this um, as a separate principle. So without further ado, I'm going to step aside and make way for the Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. Here we go. We are now up to the second Iker of the Rambam, which is that there is one God. 
Now, this is something which requires explanation on many levels. The first thing is how important is this concept? In other words, there are many, many facts we can say about Kaddish Baruch Hu. We can say that he has mercy without limits. We can say he's all-powerful. We can say many, many things about Kaddish Baruch Hu that would be true. These are not listed as fundamentals because they're not part, they're not a crucial part of the structure of the um, of belief. One could not believe that, and the rest of Torah, the rest of Jesus would be true. Fundamentals of belief are those that if you take them out, everything else falls apart. So, knowing there's a Kaddish Baruch Hu, yes, that without a Kaddish Baruch Hu, then there's no real Torah, no real mitzvahs, and so on. Um, that Kaddish Baruch Hu prophesied, yes, that's crucial, that's very critical, or else there is no Torah mitzvahs, and so on. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu's achdus is an attribute of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Some believed in many idols, some believed in a, a, a trinity, some a duality. Is that really something that is critical for everything else to be in place? That's one item we need to discuss. We also need to understand um, why is it that that's Hashem Echad. So our most fundamental declaration of faith uh, speaks as to this attribute. Um, we would expect, I believe in God. I believe in God, the all-powerful, all-merciful. Um, I believe in God, the infinite. But one, why is that the crucial um, description of HaKadosh Baruch as, as we know him, as we understand him? The uh, question also, are there any implications beyond theology, philosophy, you know, speculation about the divine, which is anyway quite far from us and something that we don't engage all that much in. Those are questions that we need to ask ourselves about Achdusay. We say it, people who are slaughtered for the belief on the oneness of God. And this obviously comes in the heel of Christianity, which was always pushing the um, which was pushing uh, Trinity and uh, and so on. Those are all questions that need to be addressed and need to be uh, spoken about if we understand this fundamental. So let's start with the Rambam. Um, the Rambam in his introduction to Perichelik speaks about this, the fundamentals. This is where he lists them as 13 fundamentals. And the fundamental belief in the oneness of God, he said, is um, is built on the Pasik, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad. That's all the Rambam tells us. It doesn't tell us more than that. We'd like to go to Hilchas Yisraeli Torah, where the Rambam discusses fundamentals of faith. And let's try to look at that a little bit. So in the very first Perik, in Yisraeli Torah, the Rambam speaks about the knowledge and the understanding that there's a primary being, and that the primary being is the creator of everything else, and also 
the the um, dynamic force that keeps the world going. That the Rambam puts together, and the mitzvah is Anoche Hashem Alekecha. And it comes together with a prohibition of Lo Yelocha Himachem Al Panai. That's the Rambam on Tol Halacha Zayin. Now the Rambam says, Elokai Ze Echad Hu. This God that we talked about is one. Eino lo shnayim, he's not two. Velo yesal shnayim, he's not more than two. Elo echad, he's one. She'en ki yechudo, echad me'achoyim tzavolom. There is no oneness, unity, the like of it, in anything else in the world. Now he says, it doesn't mean um, um, when we say one, for instance, um, all palm trees are of one kind. So are all palm trees one? Oh, yes. Are all human beings one? Yes. In the sense of being part of a common group. So... HaKadosh Baruch Hu's oneness is not like that. V'lo echad ki guf shu nechlak Nor is he like a body that can be subdivided into um, sections. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu's oneness is not one that includes many individuals. It's not one that is comprised of many sub-elements. It is a oneness that nothing like that exists in the world. Everything in the world that we describe as one, as unique, it's part of some system. It consists of pieces. We don't have anything like it in this world. Now, the Rambam gives now a... Um, different, uh, the, the Rambam now gives a proof for this. And that's very interesting that he sets out to prove it, which he does not do in the Pirush HaMishnayis, but he does it over here. And the Rambam says, If there would be many gods, there would be an association of gods, uh, 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 a, um, a kind a god kind so they then it would they would have to be physical bodies the only way in which we can have many entities is if we limit each and every uh, entity for instance if somebody says there are two Yanko Goldsteins, reasonable, describe them. They look exactly alike. Some difference, perfectly alike. Okay, so tell me where Yanko Goldstein 1 is located or Yanko Goldstein 2 is located. In the exact same space. They're both standing in, in front of the shul. Oh, I get it. So one is standing there at five o'clock in the afternoon, one standing at six o'clock in the afternoon. 
No, they're both sent at the same time. So at this point, we realize we're talking about an absurdity. Um, the same being, the same place at the same time is nonsense. Then we're talking about the same thing. The only way I can make a rational statement, a statement that makes sense about two Yanko Goldsteins, is either Yanko Goldstein, one is tall, the other one is short. He, he, um, I can say they, this one is, is in New York, this one is in Detroit. I can say they're both in New York, but one was there five to six, one was there six to seven. I've got to limit them. By limiting them, I can now say I have two of them. I can't say I have two of them when they are um, the same one, the same place, same time. So if we're to say there are two gods, then I have to be able to somehow limit each one and say they're in different place, different time. Once one is able to do X, one is able to do Y, one's limited by this, limited by that. But if both of them encompass everything, then I'm basically just spouting uh, foolishness. It's silliness. There's nothing there. So having more than one God means defining God with some limit. There's a, uh, there is a debate that the Ramban engaged in with a um, Christian theologian. It's printed and the Ramban um, pushes hard and asks him, is your God not three? So his answer is, he's three, that's one and one, that's three. Uh, 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 a, a beautiful formula that means nothing. So Rahman says, let me, let me ask it a little more clearly. Can Godhead A disagree with Godhead B? If the answer is yes, then we have three separate entities. If the answer is no, then, 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 then you're basically just um, rehashing the same thing. You're not saying anything. It's one. So call it whatever you want. It's just like if I have a table and one person says, this is my handiwork. One person says, this is why I eat supper. One says, this is why I eat lunch. We're talking about the same table. Each one just referring to it the way you'd like to refer to it. Um, and it's the same table. So if you cannot define each one, which means limit each one, then it's one and the same. So the Ramam says, if there is more than one God, God is no longer infinite. There is some finite quality to it. Is limited. The God of mercy cannot do punishment. The God of punishment cannot do mercy. That's already defined each one and given a limit. So then he says, and if you have defined and limited any one of the gods, then there is nothing that can keep the universe going perpetually. The, the, the Rambam's strongest um, proof, strongest sense of HaKadosh Baruch Hu running the world is the continuous motion of all the planets and everything. That, that is more than the actual creation of it, just the continuous motion we see, and that the continuous motion requires something to keep it moving. So he says, You see that the celestial bodies keep moving. 
so therefore it cannot be something corporal and and therefore it does not have any qualities which can define it as a sub uh, a, a subunit and there he, and therefore he says for your dear stuff is that this understanding this acknowledgement this knowledge and acknowledgement is a mitzvah essay shema Hashem Hashem so this is also, so the Rambam refers to the mitzvah Hashem but the Rambam forces a proof on it that the very proof of God, of God's existence, is the proof of his unity. Um, and then the Rambam brings um, some more proofs along those lines. We speak about a Baruch and the Psukim as being a uh, in heaven and earth at the same time that sort of describes the limitless sense of God, and therefore it cannot be a body, because a body cannot be in two places at the same time, and it cannot be, um, you know, it, 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 it has to be one entity. That is the Rambam's uh, approach to it, uh, proof to it, and, and, and where he sees it rooted. The, 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 the going through it, understanding it, acknowledging it, is, is that point over here. So the Rambam A says it's an obligation to believe. Hashem Hashem Echor is our most fundamental statement of belief. Two, the Rambam says that it is something which is rooted. It's not in the core belief of Akadosh Baruch as we understand it. It's not the next stage of belief about Akadosh Baruch Hu, But if we really understand our core definition of Akadosh Baruch Hu as being infinite, there cannot be two infinites. By definition, by, by, by just thinking about it, we come to that conclusion. So first, let's try to understand what will be some of the ramifications, more, I would say, on a philosophical level of this idea. Um, Forget about physical features, which most of us, you know, we, we don't, uh, that's not the way we think today. But we'd like to try to understand it within the context of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Hanhaga. How HaKadosh Baruch Hu is moving the world towards um, its goals. We find many, many attributes, many, many, um, what's the right word for it, directions and and um, interactions of HaKadosh Baruch with the Bria. We find HaKadosh Baruch Hu being tremendously merciful. We find HaKadosh Baruch Hu being extremely harsh and demanding. Midas Hadin, um, when, when Midas Hadin is at work, it is something that is demanding in, to an extraordinary degree. When we meet a person who has contradictory behaviors to himself. He could be extremely warm and nice, and he could be very, very strict and demanding. We tend to attribute it, we say he has two sides to himself. And, um, and you know, when we pass a person's personality, that seems right. The person is a kindly disposed person, but he has sensitive areas that if you touch them, then comes out as anger and upset, vengeance and who's what. And, and we tend to understand that, that a person tends to have different 
um, elements, different behaviors vying for his attention. To, by a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that in fact is a picursus. A Kodesh Baruch Hu has one thing in mind, because of from one, only one thing can come. He realizes it in different ways. So just like, for instance, if let's go back to the example of somebody who sometimes is very strict and sometimes very nice, sometimes very warm, sometimes distances himself from us. Imagine that this person is not a friend of ours, but he's a teacher. And he is a teacher par excellence. He 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 um only does what he feels effective for the class. So he, he some days he feels being warm and encouraging, and that's the part of himself that opens up, and sometimes strict and demanding sometimes keeping a distance and being aloof. Whatever it is, he's calculated everything to feed into most effective teaching, pedagogy, whatever you want. So that means the teacher is one teacher. His personality is one. His, the, the, the nexus of his, of his behaviors is one. And it's just using different elements of... Um, of being able to realize his one goal. So these are different tools, but the goal is one. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu's interactions are similar. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has many, many interactions with us, very, very different ones. But the bottom line is they all come together to um, bring us and the world to a certain destiny. And whatever is needed at any time is the, is the interaction that gets produced. There would be one ramification that is more relevant for us to understand that all of the different middos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are one. This was one of the, actually one of the um, contentions, points of contention with the Kabbalah um, teachings. The Kabbalah teachings seem to speak about many, many different midos of Hashem and different attributes to which people um, questioned, is one allowed to say that, that Hashem is different midos? And the answer is, if these midos are defining core behaviors, the answer is an absolute no. If they're defining interactions with us, the answer is sure. So, for instance, somebody is going to come along and he's watching a dentist at work. And he's going to say, you know, dentists have split personalities. Sometimes they drill holes, sometimes they fill holes. So, it, you know, it's, it's two, separate, uh, two separate people, two separate personalities. The answer is no. The, uh, the dentist is there to repair the tooth. That's what a dentist does. Sometimes a hole has to be made. Sometimes filling has to be put in, but but it's one and the same. Sometimes a tooth has to be taken out. Sometimes a tooth has to be put put in. The goal is that a person have um, a, a set of teeth that work very well. That's one goal, and there are tools, that, there are means for that, which sometimes seem to contradict. So too with Hakadosh Baruch Hu and his midas. That's the appropriate way to look at it. That is as regards Hakadosh Baruch Hu's midos. The, um, the, 
let's now look at another type of um, another type of echad that comes up, another issue, and this will be possibly more relevant to us. We say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echot. That's the statement of proclamation of faith. That's what we believe in. Hashem is one, and everything comes from one place and is going towards one place. But there's something coming out of that. We are half the Hashem Elokecha. That's the mission statement that comes out of Hashem Echad. Now let's understand what the speci- what is that point? The the emphasis is on Bechol. Bechol Vavcha, Bechol Nafshcha, Bechol Moidecha. That is as if we were to say, because Hashem is Echad, therefore the Ava requires all of it. So let's go back and understand where that's coming from and why that is the realization of it. Imagine a person has a business partnership with somebody and the business partnership is a very, very blessed partnership. They do a lot of business together. They're very loyal to each other. And they, they do all the business together. They pull their assets, their, their talents. They have an amazingly good business. So one expects that all business affairs are run together. And we expect, we would feel that if this is their agreement um, and one of them goes and sort of does a deal on his own, it's something which is a bit disloyal. But let's say... Their, their private lives are not enmeshed. And it's very possible we have a wonderful business relationship and my personal life is not relevant to you. Um, I could not even invite you to my wedding. It doesn't mean anything. Obviously, people are people and, and we would feel it strange. But in terms of the relationship of a perfect business relationship, I, I don't, it's, it's not. The relationship is the business, that's it. But if a person, let's say, is married, and one expects a spouse, a relationship with a spouse to be totality of life, then we would feel it includes everything, rightfully so. And to have any type of ongoing things that are sort of not shared, willfully not shared with, with the spouse, is something that we would, we would find that to be um, not, not okay. Because being married is meant to be a relationship that encompasses everything. Let's go to a person who doesn't believe in anything. So I look at myself with a psychological mirror and I examine myself. And I have many drives, ambitions, needs, cravings. And I work at satisfying all of them. And one wouldn't think there's anything wrong with that. My appetite likes food a lot. My muscles like running around and doing something. My ambition likes to get ahead with a better job. My wanting to live a good life 
means I need a lot of money. All of these are separate pleasures and they all um, come together and they sort of are, are in a pool together. But to say that I should do everything just for the sake of getting good food, because I like good food, I like other things also. It would be silly. Why, why not spend some money on um, going to a good climate and, and enjoying warm weather or cool weather? So, so because a, a, a person who is secular would see a person as being consisting of different parts and pieces, it is perfectly valid that each piece looks for its own satisfaction. The Rambam, in his introduction to Shemona Prokem, which is the introduction of, of um, Perkavis, and he starts by saying that even though the scientists slash philosophers have divided the human soul, and he used the word soul not in the Jewish sense, but in the entire, the way it's used in a general sense, even though they're divided into different parts, they're not five different souls. They're five branches of one soul. And I think the Rambam, it doesn't really say why it's important for him over there, but I think it's important because the human soul reflects very much um, a Kaddish Baruch who gave him a soul. And to say that a human being consists of five parts that don't emanate from one central point is really something that would um, be questionable. So a person is one, and so, so a secular person sees as many parts. Let's now move on to the idol worshippers' sense of the world. The idol worshipper lives in a world that has a lot, a lot of mafia chiefs and fiefdoms. The rain god's got his rain people, the sun god has got his sun people, and, and so on. So it's important to keep different bosses um, satisfied. So I need to sacrifice a little bit to the sun god, a little bit to the rain god, a little bit to this person, that person. I need to do some of the things that they ask me to, ask me to do. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm doing different things to appease different gods. It's not much different than the secular person who's trying to appease different parts of himself. So the secular person sees the master of man being different internal bits and pieces of a person, and the idol worshiper sees different outside idols commanding it. But it's the same thing. And therefore, it's going to be a... Uh, it, it's, it, it will be the same result of having different parts and different pieces. But... If I believe there is one God, then I believe there is one core neshama. True that the neshama in a person has parts, has many different um, pieces, bits and pieces that are radiating and demanding attention and needs. But it comes to one, and I can, and I can make a cheshben which is the important one, what overrides what, and so on. So, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad requires us, obligates us, that, we, that the entirety of our self is um, dedicated towards one thing. Bechol 
means even the parts of me that seem to crave um, other items, they at their root belong to this big picture and they and and what's the right thing to do and the, and the thing that will make me happiest is to focus them on the same goal that um that that the Yitzhatov wants Yitzhara as just forces that allow me to function this world an appetite a desire to have a family and so on but the goal is one goal because there is nothing more than one goal the same thing is true it, living in this world and an afterlife are not two separate items. There's one soul and one life. And therefore, that real life is an afterlife. And therefore, even my present life, though it brings much good to me and helps me get the, 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 the afterlife that I want that it, and that it really is me, so I need to subordinate that to, to that afterlife. And if push comes to shove, that's what I need to do. Becholma Odecha means not only I myself am totally a product of one God's will, but any assets that I've accrued, assets, talents, opportunities, anything like that, also comes with one purpose. I don't have any extras around my house. Every single piece that a Baruch Hu gave me needs to be used for one purpose. Because one God has one purpose in mind. Many, for us, many pieces come together to realize that purpose. But it's all, um, it's, it's all comes together to bring out one point. So if we're to ask ourselves, why is the Achtas of Hashem such an important and crucial description of Hashem? Why is it that we say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad? And that unity is the way we describe HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is because of all of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's attributes, this is the one that is most crucial and critical in having our lives lived in a certain way. That's the point of it. So let's review the points we've made because this is a very deep um, aspect of, of our man's faith and possibly has the greatest amount of practical realization for us. Hashem Echad is the Pasuk of Declaration of Faith. A Declaration of Faith is not so much that God exists or that I gave the Torah, but Hashem is one. It's what distinguished us from idol worshippers. And therefore, it cannot be that this is just another description of Hashem, another one of many descriptions. Somewhere along the line, we're going to have to understand Echad as being the totality of our beliefs in Hashem. The Rambam derives it from a logical proof, from the same logical proof that Hashem is incorporeal, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no body, and, and by that same belief, 
we it by extension, if we think about it logically, it means that a Kaddish Baruch Hu cannot have any um, cannot be more than one, because more than one automatically um, need includes definitions of each one and and curtailment of each one, and therefore we would end up with many corporal gods and not one incorporeal god. So in, in the Rambam's in the in Mishnah Torah, the Hashem Echad is very very closely aligned to corollary of his core definition of what a Baruch Hu is. That's one point. And therefore any religion that does not believe in monotheism believes in idol worship. Um, it may be refined idol worship, but it is idol worship. It's things. It's not the all-encompassing being. That is where he gets it from. The um, We spoke out that this is important in understanding when we speak of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's many different attributes. We speak about how he acts in different situations, and sometimes they sound extremely contradictory. We must believe that at the bottom, bottom, it all, the bottom line, they all come to a common purpose. For our sake, he interacts with us in different ways. That's a corollary of HaKadosh Baruch Hu being Echad, is that his his goal is one with many different interactions. Coming down to humans, the Rambam says, we need to believe that even though we have many, many different drives and forces within, ultimately they're all rooted in the same sense of I, in that same nefesh, and therefore the right way to look at it is one, with many different branches. This is slightly different than HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyachol, but for us, this represents a certain Salam Alekim, a certain parallel to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Finally, this has an extraordinary impact in our Avodas, in, in our own Avodas Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is one, and therefore, our lives in terms of purpose is one. I remember when we were in school and the school was sort of, it had um, the, the different parts of the school, the secular department and the uh, Judaic department were not on the one, on the one uh, uh, leadership. It's just almost like two different schools together. And, we, and messages were kind of mixed. And I remember a, um, non, a, a, a non-Jewish teacher asking us once, well, if you're so spiritual, why, why are you pursuing material goods or something? And a boy thought and he said, you know, we're taught that a, a person needs to have two goals in his life, uh, a Jewish goal and a secular goal, which was, I guess, the unintended message or consequence of having it two separate messages. That certainly is against the very core of, of what we're speaking about. It makes two gods in the world, and that is wrong. So we we have a mitzvah. The mitzvah that comes out 
is Vahafsas Hashem Elokecho Bechol. The type of love to Akarish Baruchu, the type of being engrossed in Avodas Hashem, demands totality. Because if Akarish Baruchu is total, then everything has to add up to one bottom line. There are not many conflicting forces in a person. There are many tools to realize one goal. There is no room in a person's life to realize two goals. There are many, many steps and many, many pieces to be realized. But the goal is one goal. And this requires even the drives in a person that are seemingly physical drives, that they be harnessed and directed in accordance with the bigger picture. Just like somebody who's a businessman who's totally immersed in his business, there's nothing he does without um, thinking what's the purpose of business. He designs the um, showroom, he designs his office, everything is done with an eye towards how will it get me. That's Bechol Levavcha. Bechol Nafshecha says, there are no two lives. It's not as if I can choose this life and the life to come. There's one life. This life is a, a means to get other life. And therefore, I need to um, do, I need to uh, move, take everything and dedicate it as well as Hashem. And if it means that the life has reached a point where there cannot be any Vodas Hashem, then it has to cease. That's Bechalaf Shechol. Bechol Moidecha goes a step further and says, not only every part of yourself, and not only the entirety of yourself, but anything that Kodesh Baruch Hu has given you, any tools, assets, talents, or whatever it is, is also meant to be dedicated to Avodos Hashem. And that's Bechol Moidecha. So, Yes, when we declare Akarish Baruch Hu's being one, Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad, first and foremost, we're, we're, we're touching on a point that basically encompasses everything. Akarish Baruch Hu's existence, incorporeality, totality. Hashem Echad doesn't just mean one, it means unique, and it means total. This definition is core, to what we find and that's why we, we are most nefesh on Yehuda Yisbarach. This definition of Kaddish Baruch Hu is, 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 is the key to understanding how to arrange our life and, and, and its various, various components. There's only one destiny and one purpose. And when a person takes his Bechol Levavcha, Bechol Nafshecha, Bechol Maidecha, when he takes the entirety of it, and he focuses on one point, it becomes part of that oneness. And that's the realization of Shema Yisrael Hashem Alkeinu Hashem Echot. Okay, what a wonderful class by Rabbi Lapiansky. Again, thank you, Alan and Bernard Share for your sponsorship. Um, I was thinking of, of um, I mean, uh, there are so many points to speak about regarding this topic and regarding this, this sheer, this amazing sheer. Uh, whenever he speaks, things always unfold um, 
slowly and carefully and come together in a beautiful way at the end. Um, he started off with the question of why is it important? Why is it critical that we understand God's oneness? And also the second question of how is this kind of aloof philosophical concept relevant to us? And I think he did an amazing job of fleshing both those points out. Um, <clears throat> a couple of a couple of individual, <clears throat> excuse me, individual ideas that spoke to me, and in addition, just the whole the whole structure of it was, <clears throat> excuse me, was the idea of a teacher that that uh, that muscle that parable of a teacher who is uh, the way he teaches is by utilizing all different facets of his personality and his skill set, and sometimes comes in more strict, and sometimes comes in more fun loving, and sometimes defines things in higher terminology, and lower terminology. But everything is for the same purpose of educating the class and advancing their knowledge. So that was a that was a nice parable for understanding the the importance of the unity of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, to recognize that all different parts of this world and of our lives are all being dictated um, towards and and by one being, and being moved and we're being moved along towards a certain goal. I find that to be very encouraging. <clears throat> um, there's a, it reminded me of a story. There's a story that I'm, I'm reminded of. It's not exactly the same thing, but it's similar. <clears throat> there was a story told of a Hasidish Rebbe, actually the Balatanya. And he had his grandson, who was the uh, third Rebbe in the line of, of, of Rebbe's of, uh, of Chabad Hasidus, the Tzemach Tzedek. Um, his grandson was, was, was raised in his home. And there was once an occasion in which the grandfather was, <clears throat> was hosting, was holding court uh, and was hosting and interacting with a long line of visitors who had come to see him. And his grandson came scampering in. It's kind of funny to talk about scampering in this incredible sage, um, but he was, you know, even sages were young at one point in time. And he, he came scampering and he wanted his attention from his grandfather. And um, uh, I think he cut the line, he came in and his, um, and his grandfather asked him, uh, where, where is your grandfather? Where is he? Dr. Straczynski, you can correct my Yiddish. Where is, where is, uh, <laughs> where is, where is your grandfather? So, he goes and he grabs his, uh, he tugs on his beard and he says, Das, das is mein Zay, this is my grandfather. And the grandfather says, Nay, nay, nay. No, no, this is, das, das is mine, but this is my, this is my beard. This is my beard. It's not Zaydi. So he said, Where's your Zaydi? So the boy grabs a hold of his, of his, and he gives him a big hug and he says, This, this is my Zaydi. And the grandfather says to him, Nay, this is my stomach. This is not Zaydi. So the boy, the little boy, very smart, realizes the game. And he just, in an instant, he just runs away. No one knows what he's doing. And he runs to the door. And he like pretends almost that he gets his finger caught in the door. He says, oi, ow. And his grandfather drops everything and runs to go grab him. And he says, ah. Oh, Thus is my Zaydi. That's my grandfather. As he goes and he runs to, 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 to help him. Reminded me of that story because the, 
theme, the message behind it is he's trying to teach him a lesson. What, who, are, who are you? Who is the real you? Where am I? Is that me or is that a certain aspect of me? You can ask the same thing about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. What exactly is a Kaddish Baruch Hu? What, what is Hashem? <clears throat> is that him? Is that the world? Is that a certain attribute? Is that a different attribute? It's kind of slippery, hard to get a hold of. And that's what he was, the lesson he was trying to, to give him was we have to always be focused on what's the, what it, what, who are we? What is our real true essence? And the answer that came from the grandson was when, when the grandfather expressed his love for the grandson, that's when his true essence came out. I would say that's when his true essence was felt. That's not the only thing he is. That's when we can feel it. And so in our lives also, we have plenty of occasions in which we feel a Kaddish Baruch Hu's love. And from this class and from this principle, um, <clears throat> we realize that it's not just at those exact moments that we feel it, but it's always. He's always there in his many, many attributes. And as the, as the Rosh Hashiva, as Rabbi Lapiansky said, a parallel uh, and the kind of a practical takeaway for us is that just like he is one and all attributes that we experience of his interacting with the world is one, so too we are also one. We're made, created in his image and everything that we have, all of our attributes and everything that we have both within us as the Rosh Hashiva said, quoting the uh, first, first um, sentence of Shema that the Rambam quotes, um, everything that's within us and even uh, things that are not within us, but even this computer that we're all watching each other on, right? See, this, this computer is that's why we have computers, by the way, <laughs> so we can see each other and we can enjoy and share words of Torah with each other. Everything that we have goes into the same mission. Very inspiring message, very deep message, and one that I was very happy to be here sharing in this learning experience. So with that, I'm gonna stop the recording, and I thank you all for joining us. Next week, there is a um, another treat. 